motivators, morning butt licks. <clears throat> Here we are, it's friggin' December 7th or 8th, 2018, man. 30 degrees, beautiful sunshine. The end of a long week. I know we can all appreciate that. It's nice to be able to reflect on all the goings-on of the week and challenges hopefully met and freaking bested. That's what I'm thinking about right now. I have I have a topic in mind, though, that will help focus our uh, podcast this morning. Spied some friends here in their spare time talking about, I guess there was a meme about a teacher. Teacher said, oh, you know, got a master's degree, got uh, two extra jobs, buy my own supplies, and give platelets in my spare time, something like that. I'm a teacher. Something about a teacher having to work two additional jobs in addition to being an educator, which, I mean, shit, I'm a doctor, and I teach, and I have other jobs too, so I don't don't know what it's a function of. I think that uh, the assertion was that teachers don't get paid or appreciated sufficiently in the United States, so that's one narrative about the importance of teachers, which without question, I mean, they are, they're important, they're key, they're they're where the rubber meets the road with America, if you're going to focus on something, I've always felt like if I was the leader, if I was the president of the United States, there would be quite a few issues that would obviously have my attention, but if you want to strengthen and bolster and support your country and its people, make them great and look into the future, not just in the goings-on of today, you would want these people to have some health care that was dependable and there were preventative aspects of it that was going to be able to keep people fixed so we didn't have to wait till they break down and try to replace their parts, right? So there would be health care for all, and there would be education at the top of the friggin' line. And we like to think that we are kind of in the running somewhere, like the statistics are favorable in terms of both health care and education. And obviously we're a first world country, so we have, though we might bitch and complain about our woes, You know, we've got money. We've got options here. We've got a lot of the stresses that we have, we kind of create in our own minds because we always feel like we're in this current running around trying like, to do everything like a chicken with our heads cut off. But let me work back on track there. Our statistics, our statistics on healthcare and education blow. Especially when you look at them in terms of our all the all that we have. 
right? Healthcare is expensive and it is not necessarily better despite having spent all this extra money and pharmaceutical companies, for-profit insurance companies, various cultural aspects of our society like our tendency to and our kind of wearing a badge of honor about how hard we work and all the things that we need to do and all the things that we need to have that fucks us over too all right, these, it's a very complex problem that's why these things in part have not been solved completely but I think about that man if you're going to solve some problems let's go after healthcare and education you need people to be healthy because it's the right thing to do then they'll enjoy greater quality of life They'll enjoy enjoy more productive years on this earth. When people are sick, there are all kinds of expenses and stresses and situations that are going to um, crop up. And so it's just not good for anybody. We've all had loved ones who are sick. Getting old and dying, we're all going to get there unless friggin' cyborgs, you know, the rise of the machines happens sometime soon. It very well may. But um, we need to provide health care. It shouldn't be as expensive as it is. It's not even quantity over quality. I don't know what the hell it is. But everybody should have, we should have a Medicare for all. All right, just nothing rich. It's not insurance that's going to pay for uh, plastic surgery and even chiropractic care or specialty care but something that is going to provide you a major medical benefit so that if you need emergency care or you need preventive care, you're going to be able to get those two. Right? Medicare for fucking all. Like a Medicare plus. I say this with the perspective of being in healthcare. I'm driving to my office right now. I'm familiar from a doctorly point of view what the insurance companies are about, um, oftentimes how much they pay, which can be significant and maybe absorbent. I hate to complain about that. And I'm just a specialty doctor in chiropractic. Why does a uh, hip replacement or a knee replacement, for instance, cost twenty, thirty, fifty thousand dollars in the United States, but in Belgium it's ten? You know, and I listened to an NPR episode on this one time. They're talking about how um, it's, in part, it's about a negotiation of the, the that the government has with the suppliers of these titanium and whatever prosthetics, and that in the United States, with all our capitalist uh, tendencies, somehow these uh, producers of these devices that are, you know, life-changing, but not worth $30,000, they're able to get away with a better deal. Lobbying and all that bullshit. In Belgium, they say, they call, they call the bullshit what it is. Listen, we need these fucking devices. We're not going to charge people $30,000, $50,000 for a knee replacement. 
the procedure is going to cost this, and this is what we'll pay, and this is what we can guarantee. There are this many people get knee replacements a year. This is what your cut looks like. And the prosthetics union or whatever, whoever makes these devices, they suck it up and they deal. This is why people are dry, are flying to Europe and, and across the world, essentially, travel medicine, because our medicine here sucks. I mean, I have patients who have top-tier insurance, and you know, just by virtue of the company that they work for, let's say they work for the Acme Corporation, quote-unquote. Well, by virtue of the number of people that are employed, which is in the thousands, they can get a better deal on their insurance. They got premium benefits, um, and I can get paid very well. I have a patient, the next patient that comes in might have Keystone first. They don't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of. They get a essentially a Medicare for all, Medicaid insurance, which is going to pay me $30, $40. I'm going to render the same care to this to different patients, and I'm going to get paid maybe $100 more or more from the one payer just because there's different insurance. So it's a fucking jungle out there. It's nuts from a provider point of view. <clears throat> there's I love insurance. pays well. I hate insurance. Sometimes it doesn't pay at all or requires various hoops to jump through which are unreasonable and take my time and the patient's time and you know, nobody's really happy. So I think we need to fix health care. Back to education, though. I also teach. I'm a part-time adjunct professor, if you will, at local universities. A couple now. And I don't know what the benefits are from the point of view of a full-time professor. I'm, I'm led to believe they're pretty good. But I ain't getting shit. I'm not in a union. I believe the full-time professors perhaps are, although it's a private school that I I teach at right now, so maybe not them. Um, The question of, uh, or the argument between my friends was about teachers with a state of education, which, despite there being some tremendous people in um, education today, I know shitload of teachers. They're all awesome individuals. They all care. They're all trying to make a difference. My wife is a teacher at a public school and she is a fucking asset. Okay. She's an awesome person. She's an awesome teacher. And I've seen the stresses that she comes home with as a special education teacher working at a high school. They are significant. These stresses the work that she takes home, the calls that she receives from parents and coworkers and administrators, and all kinds of shit. So there's a lot to factor in. They do hard. They do hard work. They do it well. They do offer up a lot of their extra time, their own time and money to do the job. And do they get paid enough? <clears throat> Probably not. When you think about the implications involved in educating the youth, the future of tomorrow in America. There are most certainly uh, unions involved. I don't know enough about it. I've never 
been part of a company that, uh, or an organization that was unionized. I know people who are pro and con. Uh, I do believe that one of the main complaints and a reality is that although unions have protective benefits, they oftentimes, excuse me, will uh, inflate wages and create a lot of extra expenses. Uh, they'll try to fund these pensions, which is a tremendous, awesome benefit that I think maybe they're entitled to. You know, maybe certain populations are, but the pension is kind of a thing, you know, in everywhere but teaching and certain other businesses, the pension has gone away. Maybe civil servants like cops and, and postal workers. Nobody's got pensions. I won't have a pension. My dad, he had one. He worked for the electric, or the power company as a lineman for 35 years. So, I think there's a lot of jealousy on the part of people who will say, okay, you know, education sucks and teachers are entitled and they're getting these pensions and all these rich benefits and all that stuff, but it doesn't exist elsewhere. And teachers are saying, well, we work our asses off and um, taking care of your kids and society's not helping us out and we're buying our own supplies. And there's obviously two sides of the argument. With all due respect to teachers, and I'm one. There are two. So there is another side of the argument. I think every every teacher can um, can uh, think of more than a few colleagues who they might say are just kind of coasting, or putting the work on their peers, and they've grown cynical, and they probably shouldn't be in education anymore, and certainly not calling the shots from an administrative point of view. So it's. It's a complete. It's quite the ball of wax. I think that there is room. I think, in terms of, I'm clearly biased, but my wife, and myself, and other teachers that I know that are just fucking unbelievably awesome. There should be a merit pay, sort of deal. Just like with students, you know, reward and punishment. We need to, we need to try to get as creative as possible using every tool in our toolkit and innovate constantly to try to stay ahead of the competition. And it is one. You hear people talk about China and, and Korea and you know, pretty much everyone. You know, the, certainly the Nordic countries, Sweden and Denmark, you got the greatest education systems and healthcare and there's always that sense that, oh yeah, you know, the America, America's number one, right? That's what, that's what we think. American exceptionalism. Like, we, we're the best. We are the football player or basketball player that gets the shot, the score, the touchdown, and then celebrates arrogantly in the end zone until the next play when we freaking drop a pass or fuck up or we're not that good anymore. Other people become better. It won't allow us to score. So there are other countries that are doing things that are all about innovation in education, in healthcare, in every aspect of their society. And they are beating us. Just like our race to the moon with Russia and the rest of the world. Right? It there's competition is a healthy thing, but you need to acknowledge where you're fucking up. 
and there are various aspects of our society and our daily life, a lot of factors of which maybe the average individual um, doesn't fully understand, like the economics of education or all that goes into planning a curriculum and standardizing. Nobody, everybody hates standardized tests, but we have to assess our students in some way, right? And so when you have a big, again, unions, teacher, you know, all that shit, when you have a standard that you follow, and the standard is we take these, uh, the SAT, or we take uh, these tests every year, and um, yeah, there's evidence that standardized tests is not helping students, but or that students, how about this one, near and dear to my heart, lecture is fucking our kids up. Lecturing at students from the front of the room, talking at them essentially, is not, you know, we lose the students after 10 minutes. You have to change gears, do active learning, all that stuff. We know about active learning and we do it in part, but there's a lot of people that still, the, the workhorse of education is still uh, professor lecturing for an hour and then issuing standardized tests. I know because I do that. Now, I try to keep it as zany and as interesting as possible and support my stuff with online and virtual stuff and for those that will uh, are looking for a different angle to support my uh, my lecture I provide other materials we're trying but it just seems like in this super computerized world of virtual reality we are still relying upon techniques and plan of attack that you know our parents were learning this way reading, writing, and arithmetic. So the question is, how do you stop when you see that iceberg? You're on the Titanic and you see something in the water. And you think it could be an iceberg. Even if you spy that friggin' obstacle that's going to capsize your ship. And you call... you. You call the friggin' bridge and say, "Listen, we got to turn around. We got to, we got to veer around this obstacle." It's friggin' hard, man. It's like impossible to, to stop, and change course at that point. I feel like in America we're like that in a lot of ways. We're not mobile, nimble, um, adaptable. We are large and in charge, and this is the way we do it. And you know. How, you know, how dare you question me? I'm a teacher or I'm a doctor and this is, we do great work. Well, nobody's questioning that you do great work or you're doing your best. But we need to think outside the box and we need to be willing to change. And the policymakers need to have the courage to say, yeah, this is what we've been doing. This is what all the lobbyists and all the people to my left and right are saying we should do. But we've got this other, we got new information and I think we should actually do this. That is cool, all right? Having the courage to change if need be. And so those are my thoughts on education and uh, healthcare. I have perspective. I appreciate everybody's point of view. I can see everybody's uh, vantage point. And I wouldn't want to uh, disrespect anybody. I think a lot of other people... Most, most people, most of the time, we try to uh, 
you know, we wind up just arguing for the sake of argument, just picking a side, and it's a bunch of bullshit. It's the human tendency to want to be right, to win the debate, and that's what fucks us up in so many ways. We need to compromise, and we need to rely upon the newest information we possibly can. Good morning, motivators. Man, it's Saturday. I figure it's the 8th, 7th or the 8th of December. I never know what the fucking, you know, the exact, the precise day is. But plus or minus, I can hook you up. I feel good, all right? Spent the morning sitting on the couch with my family, grading some papers, laughing, carrying on, watching an awesome show called... uh, series of unfortunate events. Have you seen that series? Oh my god. It's got Doogie Howser. Uh, the actor who played Doogie Howser is like the main character. Count Olav. It's got a, an incredibly rich cast of characters. In addition to that, I mean, I saw Joan, C- Joan Cusack for, again, um, David Allen Greer is in it. Just like this who's who cast of characters. Tremendous story. Very weird, which I enjoy. And let me tell you, Doogie Howser does a frigging phenomenal job as the main character. And the storyline is intense. It's interesting. i got to read the books. Lemony Snicket. Friggin' series of an unfortunate event. So, heading down to the office here for an emergency visit, trying to take care of a good friend. Plays hockey, might have sustained a little bit, some, certainly got some bumps and bruises in a hockey game of Wednesday, maybe even a concussion. So, can, can I take the pain away? Can I help? I will sure as hell try, right? And so, I think that that's all we can do. We're going to return to that concept in one moment. As I exit my drive, my um, garage, that's pretty much our main door, right? Got the sidecar garage, awesome setup. That's how we enter and exit. Don't use the front door so much. I open the garage, and greeting me are two ladies in, you know, snuggled up in coats. And as soon as I see, as soon as the freaking garage door gets past the halfway point. I meet their gaze and the woman says, oh, looks like you're leaving. And I said, yeah, as I clutch two bags of trash and a bag of recycling and all my other gear, coats and money and phones and all that shit. And I said, yeah, I am leaving. I'm heading out just for a little bit. Well, how can I help you? Uh, long story short, they're spreading the good word of the Lord. I believe that they are um, 
geez, what's the stereotypical, unfortunately, stereotypical change your religion group? Not Branch Davidians, not Mormons, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. I think that that's what they were, Jehovah's Witnesses. Now they come around at least annually, probably multiple times a year, at least a couple times, and catch us, and they know right when. They're sale, selling something, and it's like we all are. I'm selling chiropractic and exercise and knowledge, and they are selling Jesus Christ, their version of that, and respect to them. They know when to show up. Saturday mornings, before anybody's really gotten up and headed out. It's the holiday, so they know that they're going to run across a lot of people that really have needs. It's just very stressful times for so many people are considering, you know, they're stressed out, they're running around, bright lights, big city, crazy music, holiday music, mandatory fun, getting together with family members that you may or may not care for. get along with financial pressures, buying presents, receiving them, all that stuff. It's just, you know, everybody knows that this can be a difficult time of year. We've got lower light, so people suffer from depression, anxiety, seasonal affective disorder. I think I probably suffer from all those things. So, would you like to take a look at this pamphlet? And, you know, there's a lot of suffering in this world, particularly this time of year. And maybe you're familiar with that. And, and she opened up the leaflet and it said, you know, and, and uh, Jesus Christ, or the Lord, will uh, cleanse our sins and remove the suffering in the world and the tears from every eye and the pain from every heart. Something to that effect. And she said, you probably have an opinion on that probably have an idea of what you, uh, of that suffering, will it go on forever? And I thought about that in a moment there, I'm glad she didn't put me on the, on the spot, but I essentially thought that suffering does kind of go on forever. You know, I hate to be a killjoy, but I feel like this world is a very it's a jungle out there right? there's a lot of stresses it's a crazy world around us the elements mother nature she doesn't discriminate in the pain she can afflict and the beauty that she can just bestow and show us daily we have to be able to see the beauty and understand that it's going to rain it's going to freaking clouds are going to come overhead in our lives thunder, lightning will strike, the earth will open up, it's going to be hot, it's going to be cold, and unfortunately, we're going to live and we're going to die, right? We're all going to die, and on the way, we're going to probably suffer, hopefully not too much, but we're going to see other people every day, you know, I see people that suffer greatly, whether it's due to physical pain or financial struggles, or emotional struggles, challenges, 
that they're always trying to meet, and it never seems to be that they can solve all their problems. And so, there's a lot of suffering out there. there that's, that's definitely the attention getter. You're trying to sell something. There is a shitload of suffering out there, and people need relief. And I think a lot of people find their, take solace in their religion. Now, yesterday I treated a gentleman who's a Hindu. He's a young man, 25, 27, something like that. And quite a few Christian individuals, a Jew, and atheists, the whole nine yards. I see a cross-section of the population in my office, and so a cross-section of theology. And so I just passed a little side, a side here, literally. I just passed a dead deer laying on the side of the road. How often do you drive by roadkill, whether it's a skunk or a deer, all fucked up, run over with its neck craned around, maybe if it's in during the fair weather, all the bugs start to go to work inside and create all these all their respiration, all their work, and all their consumption produces these gases that are then released, which swells up the carcass of that creature. And look at that death. You ever drive by and see that death, and then it's different somehow, right? It's not a human being. We've all seen Bambi, maybe, or watched a nature show, and we, we, we all appreciate nature. Deer are beautiful creatures, and they get hit sometimes during the course of our life. But we consider them a little bit differently. Kind of a combination of, oh, look at that poor deer got hit. And, oh my God, that's disgusting. Right? Look at that death. Look at that decomposition. So how do how we deal with that? How we consider that? And how that relates to other life, like our lives which seems to be so much more important, right? With all that we have, you know, we're such a dominant species that we have reproduced and built all that is around us. Look at these freaking roads and curbs and electronic traffic signals and vehicles and clothing and all these little gadgets that we are seeing more and more of. They're ubiquitous. They're everywhere. Look at this that we have built. The beauty, the organization. It's about, really, it's about trying to tame the beast. Trying to bend this world to our will. Bend this world to our our liking and our purpose. And to a degree, we've really done that. But Mother Nature always has the last say, the last laugh. And still, you know, people get old, they get sick, and they die. People, you know, have a series of unfortunate events, right? And this character, Doogie Friggin' Hauser, as Count Olav, is kind of like that chaos that's running around, sowing chaos in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives... 
and we can't control it. We can't always stop Count Olaf. We can't stop the chaos. So I think it's always going to be there. And I think that if you look up into the sky and on a clear night you see all those stars out there and you understand what science has pointed out to us, it is that. The universe is vast and often chaotic. There's life in brilliant versions of life out there. There is life out there somewhere very, very far away, but on the cosmic scale, quite near to us. And that life might be more complex or more simple than us. It might be just bacterial colonies living out their lives on their version of Earth inhabiting their world and if we saw if we found that that planet out there that it was you know this awesome planet it's got some sort of rather than water it's it's covered in this uh, liquid nitrogen liquid uh, mineral some sort of crazy substance that is foreign to us based upon the physical properties of the earth And we found that it was richly inhabited by bacterial colonies and that there was life out there. We would be disappointed. We would gasp like, oh, yeah, there's life, but it's just unicellular. There's no people out there. There's no aliens with green, big green heads and friggin' eyes popping out of their heads. There's no E.T. out there in the way that we did, with the human qualities that we would like to bestow upon it, that we would like to acknowledge it having. Right? So back to the ladies and the suffering and the notion that God would alleviate the suffering. I think for a lot of people that's true. I think uh, I'm not going to cut up the theology. I don't know enough about being a Jehovah's Witness to say it's right or wrong. I don't think that they're hurting anybody that I know. I know, so they do believe I know some Jehovah's Witnesses, at least one friend. She always seems to be happy in her belief and probably judges others based upon their belief or lack of belief, right? We all, we all judge. We all view life from the, and other people from the perspective of our life. Oh, they should be doing it like this. It would probably help them better. If they believe this way, then they wouldn't suffer. (laughs) Hold on a second. So, if they believe this way, then maybe they wouldn't suffer as much. What's up, buddy? Yeah, man, we got to figure out where we're gonna put them. Figure out, look at who they're, look at who they're gonna play. Yeah, we got to figure out about uh, the friggin' um, quarterback that I put in too, right? Yeah, whether. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I look forward to looking at the roster when I get back. I'll be back in about an hour. I love you, buddy.
Okay, my, my boy is so happy about the simple things in life, like our lineup this week in fantasy football. Really enjoyed doing that with him. And we, we, got, a, we got a winning record, so we'll see if we can win today. And here's my buddy, Coop. Look at her. It's the way we communicate, you see? Just by saying, she knows who the hell that was and what it means. It's kind of like I love you. Just a signal. I love you. I respect you. Good to see you, Coop. You need me, I'm there for you. I'll see her on Tuesday, kicking ass, taking names at DDS thing. Hey! Um, so, different versions of theology, the notion that it's going to alleviate your, your problems. Um, life after death is ultimately, I think, what we're talking about here. You can find peace in the Lord knowing that someday all, all of your sins will be forgiven. You don't need to worry about any of this stuff. You don't need to worry about your woes or this ridiculous material world that we're in here because there's a better place and someday we're all going to go there and the Lord is going to meet us and greet us and love us and everything is going to be wonderful kind of like a utopia and I think it's a beautiful story but I think it's bullshit ultimately what I know to do and what I'm doing right now I'm on my way to do right now is to use any strengths that I have, any ability that I have to help other people in this chaotic, fucked up world, this hard life. It's a hard knock life for us sometimes, right? So amid all that chaos, I'm trying to be something. I'm trying to help my fellow man and woman any way that I possibly can. If it means an adjustment on a Saturday morning, then that's what they get. If it means an ear to listen to their problems, to try to help them, means a couple bucks. Um, if it means a walk in the woods, a walk and a talk, or somebody encouraging somebody to get exercising or eat better or take care of themselves or that everything's going to be okay. I'm just going to use the tools, the instruments that I have in my life in order to try to take other people's pain away. It's not easy. It's not guaranteed. But it's what I have. And if at the end of this life, however long it may last for me, there is some sort of, some kind of utopia, then that's awesome. I would never say that there there couldn't be or there isn't. I would never say never, but I'm not going to be waiting around for that. I'm here. I got my boots on the fucking ground. I got my boots on the ground. I'm doing my best to shovel shit out of the way so that my people could walk cleanly through this life. And maybe they help somebody else. Maybe they help me in return sometime. Maybe they don't do anything and just walk through their, their life selfishly. And they find the next pile of shit to step in and fall onto. 
or eat. But I'm going to help. It's good for them. It's good for me. It's the right way humans should act. We need to be empathetic and under, try to understand, feel, acknowledge the pain that we often feel and do our absolute best to help others because we understand what it feels like to eat shit every now and then. We understand what it feels like to fail and to fall. And so we're all human and we all screw up and we all have struggles and maybe we friggin' help one another out along the way. Least we can friggin' do. And if at the, at the end of the road, there's a friggin' yellow brick road and we click our friggin' heels together and go home and all of our pain is, goes away and God is standing there with his arms open and all of our family members who've been sick and die are standing there greeting us and smiling and nodding and you're finally here, there's no more pain and it's a utopia, then that is fucking awesome. It sounds like a bunch of bullshit to me, though. So, yes, I'll take your pamphlet. Have a wonderful day. Enjoy it. Stay warm. But no, you're not coming to a follow-up meeting where we can sit down and talk about how you got it right and I, and I need to join your freaking. I need to buy your product. Suck a dick. <laughs>